Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode. Today's episode is going to be all about tryptophan. I think it's a really cool topic because it kind of draws a line between nutrients and our food and our hormones. I've spoken before about the way that food products and nutrients and vitamins have their different ways of building hormones and neurotransmitters and all the things in our body that kind of determine our actual existence of happiness, calmness, sleep, wakefulness. Like it's just the coolest thing to me to be able to draw that line between food and these chemicals. So with saying that, today is going to be important to talk about sleep and how sleep occurs, talk a little bit about that classic circadian rhythm and just go into a little bit of a deep dive about sleep, serotonin, melatonin and tryptophan. Just a quick disclaimer that none of this information is to be used for personal medical advice or personal nutritional advice. It is just bringing nutritional, dietetic and biochemical information to the general public. So with that, just don't be listening to these podcasts and thinking that you should be coming off any supplement or medication and getting any supplement or medication It is information for you to take to your providers, to your professionals, to your doctor and decide upon that on what you would like to do with your life and your health. So with that, let's get into today's topic. Okay, so first of all, let's have a look at sleep. That thing we all do, we all love it. Me especially, cannot get out of bed most days. But, well, I can. I just, I really, really enjoy the morning bedtime situation. Like when I wake up, I'm like, anyways, don't want to get out of bed. So sleep is the weirdest thing that humans do, really. We just go completely unconscious and we have this whole entire process going on, both chemical, physical, neurological, that really has a restorative effect on our immune system, endocrine system, nervous system, and it plays a huge role in memory consolidation. So there's different phases of your sleep that are for different Things So you have uh, your non-REM sleep and your REM sleep, rapid eye movement. The non-REM sleep is the part where most of our physical restoration happens, where we really go into a kind of restorative function compared to a memory function. Our rapid eye movement sleep is when we have most of our memory consolidation. So when we are learning new things and, um, you know, throughout the day or getting educated or anything like that, or even just our daily memories, it's the rapid eye movement sleep phase that is putting those memories into our long-term storage. This phase is when we are actually dreaming. So our eyes are moving rapidly as per the name and we heavily dream in this phase and it's actually further up to the point of being awake. I always thought 
myself that rapid eye movement or REM sleep was like the deep sleep, but it is not. It is not. Our deepest phase of sleep is actually called slow wave sleep. And that is completely, completely gone. Not, uh, you know, dreaming, not having any sort of remembering function going on in our brain that we could remember of the night, not moving, just completely in that kind of, yeah, real slow wave sleep. Then our REM sleep is actually our most alert phase. So our REM sleep kind of cycles through maybe three or four times in the night and each time it gets longer and longer. So the first REM might be, you know, half an hour and then the next one might be an hour and the next one might be an hour and a half and then that's when you wake up. So that's why through the night you kind of go through phases where like you'd either be deep sleeping or dreaming and then, you know, going up and down throughout it. I think that's why we feel very fatigued in a morning if we have been dreaming a lot. Like if we wake up and we're like, oh, I'm so tired, I've just been like I was dreaming all night, just crazy, you know, vivid dreams, then, you know, that means you've been in that kind of higher up alert state because REM sleep is just before we wake up. So you've spent more time in that REM sleep, maybe consolidating memories, that's cool, but, you know, you haven't really got that deep restorative function of your body and your nervous system and things like that. So, that kind of explains why if you dream a lot, you'll you'll wake up fatigued. What I would love to do today to kind of segue into tryptophan and its effects on sleep is to talk about the hormonal regulation of the circadian rhythm, which I think is super dope because chemicals and hormones and just the regulation of homeostasis in our body is, to me, the trippiest thing. Like our bodies are in a chemical cycle, this 24-hour cycle of releasing chemicals due to different stimulus that are coming in from our day, from our food, from our emotions, whatever, that nudge us to do certain activities like sleep or, you know, drink or eat or whatever. Like we have a hormone to tell us that we're hungry, so then we eat. We have a hormone to tell us that we're full, so then we stop eating. And to me, the way that I grasp this idea of science is always through different stories of diseases and disorders, because sometimes I'm like, how do we know all of this? You know what I mean? How do we actually know? And obviously, science is the development of years upon years of incredible minds doing incredible things. But to me, yeah, I'm still sometimes going, you know, what What am I saying? Like, this is all just words. But we discovered chemicals through either different disorders or different diseases. And we've, you know, isolated nutrients from foods and discovered where they fit in the body. So an example of the hunger hormone, ghrelin, it is, there is a disorder out there called Prader-Willi syndrome, PWS. And it affects the hypothalamus of your in your brain and kind of dysregulates a lot of hormones. And one of the hormones is ghrelin for these for some of these people. And in particular cases, ghrelin has been so dysregulated where extreme levels of it are just constantly produced. So these people are constantly hungry, like un unsatiably hungry which, you know, you could relate to on some level, but 
not on the level of this hormone dysregulation where chemically their body is telling them, I am so hungry, even though I've just eaten the whole house, you need to eat more. Like they, people will get locks on their fridges and cupboards and stuff like that if they're living with this. It's It's pretty mental. But that's where I'm like, okay, there's isolated hormone. We know what it's doing and that is what is causing this person's disorder, disease, presentation, whatever else. The way that nutrition works into that, obviously that's that's a pretty obvious one, is that the person's always hungry, it's a hunger hormone, hunger is food, whatever. But the way that nutrition also works into hormonal regulation is the way that nutrients build hormones and turn into hormones through physiological processes of the body. So I've gotten off sleep and went to hunger, but let's talk about that circadian rhythm and the hormonal regulation of the circadian rhythm. The two most crucial nutrients or hormones, I should say, that are a part of the circadian rhythm is serotonin and melatonin. Melatonin is our sleepy dark hormone. Basically, when it starts to get dark in the afternoon, our melatonin starts getting produced from our pineal gland and then that is what makes us feel tired and it is at its highest concentrations in the middle of the night, so it keeps us asleep. Melatonin is literally our sleep hormone. Serotonin and a little dash of cortisol in the morning will wake us up. So obviously cortisol is that stress hormone um, and it gets released just in little amounts from our adrenals just in the morning to get us up, get us out of bed. But serotonin is going to be our wakefulness hormone. The way that this works is with with melatonin, when we view sunlight in the day, so when we wake up in the morning um, or you know the room starts getting light or anything like that, when we view sunlight, the retina of our eye sends signals, chemical signals back to our pituitary gland and that tells the pituitary gland to stop production of melatonin. So sunlight is what stops our melatonin production. It just, our brain just goes, yep, that's, time to turn off the sleep hormone we're not going to produce that and put it in the brain anymore and then we produce serotonin instead which is a beautiful happy hormone that keeps us nice and cool calm collected and that is yeah what's going to build up throughout the day the interesting thing about this cycle is that serotonin is actually a precursor for melatonin meaning that when we need to when the day switches over we use our serotonin to build melatonin that is how we change our chemicals we have one chemical and then we go okay our body says it's time now the sun's gone down we're going to add on you know this little thing and make it melatonin so we need the buildup of serotonin to have our melatonin to get to sleep and that is the cycle. The cycle is via the sun and it's also via the ability of having serotonin to build melatonin. It's all kind of interrelated and reliant on each other to continue this sleep-wake cycle and to continue continue it as effectively as possible. This is where tryptophan comes in. 
So tryptophan is an essential amino acid, meaning it is a amino acid that we can't can't that we can't produce in the body, um, and it is a building block for proteins, as is every amino acid. But it also has other roles. It does have a few different roles, but as per the podcast, we're going to be focusing on its role in the processes that we've been talking about for sleep and serotonin and melatonin. So it is, tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin. So this is the distinction. This is the line being drawn between the food and the hormones. Our body goes in, so we ingest tryptophan through foods such as like oats, there's tryptophan in bread, in chocolate, in cheese, in tuna, in turkey, what else, in milk, banana. So it's quite common in our diet. So we'll eat these foods and we ingest the tryptophan from these foods that gets digested and put into our bloodstream. From the blood, it'll be first used to build proteins, which will be you know, used for either muscle protein synthesis or different kinds of things in the body, development of neuro, uh, neurochemicals, whatever. Then about 90% of it is used down a pathway that we're not talking about today, but it's used for a pathway that will build other kind of neurotransmitters. Less than 3% of our dietary tryptophan will cross the blood-brain barrier to get into our brain. But that kind of tryptophan, our kind of tryptophan, that 3% is of a huge area of research in its effects on serotonin in our brain. After the tryptophan goes through our blood-brain barrier and starts getting all up in our brain area, it will be converted to this thing called 5-hydroxytryptophan. And that is then converted by enzymes into serotonin. So basically from our food to our blood to our brain, tryptophan is turned into serotonin. And obviously we all know, a lot of us know serotonin as our mood regulator hormone. It is you know really beneficial for cognition, for emotion, for resilience, for memory, and for sleep as we have just so learned. So this is that yeah really cool connection between the the protein itself of tryptophan and how that effectively turns into serotonin and then melatonin. It's pretty cool the way that they have designed studies to look at the effects of tryptophan and serotonin and especially this in relation to sleep. Tryptophan competes with other amino acids to get through the blood-brain barrier. Meaning when we eat a protein, a turk, like say the turkey that has other amino acids in it, like leucine, isoleucine, valine, the tryptophan is like in a battle with it of who gets to cross the blood-brain barrier and actually enter the brain. So they've figured out, they, the scientists of the world, have figured out how to reduce the tryptophan that gets into the brain, therefore reducing the overall serotonin levels in the brain as well. And that is by giving people an amino acid drink of all these different amino acids, but except for tryptophan. So all these other amino acids come into the blood. 
they get into the race and they kick tryptophan out of the way and say, you ain't coming in to this brain. And that way, the tryptophan depletion of the brain then depletes serotonin. Actually sounds quite miserable when you think of it for these um, people that were in these studies. There was a kind of couple at 1980, 1990s. So I don't know if that would be like ethical now. I can't see why not. No one's going to die, but... You know, it's not fun to not like have reduced serotonin. It's kind of what depression is. But either way, they've actually done human trials in this particular way where they have half a group of, say, healthy men or healthy women and another half a group and they give everyone this amino acid drink so everyone's tryptophan falls down. And then before going to bed, they give only half of them a drink with tryptophan and they measure the differences between the people that are still depleted in tryptophan and between the people that now have the tryptophan in their brain, therefore serotonin. So what they found was, I actually have this one study that I'm going to read from and I'll link it in to the description. So the group that didn't get tryptophan, had an 80% decrease in their serum and in their serum tryptophan. And the group that did get it had a 144% increase of their serum tryptophan. So after the depletion of tryptophan, but not for the placebo group, significant effects on sleep EEG were observed in terms of decreased non-eye rapid movement, increase of wake percentage and of rapid eye movement compared with baseline. So compared with when they first measured them, when everyone was all just doing their normal life, then when they depleted their tryptophan, they recognized that these people were having way more rapid eye movement sleep. So way more of that dreaming kind of, you know, higher level awakeness sleep, and then less of time spent in that slow wave Delta sleep that we were talking about before. So, super interesting basically just showing the way that that if we reduce a tryptophan in our body then we reduce our ability to stay asleep stay asleep <laughs> um, yeah we reduce our ability to stay asleep and to have that good quality sleep so it's really quite interesting but what is I guess you know good for us is that tryptophan isn't really often kind of lacking in the diet. So the recommendation for tryptophan is quite small at the estimate of 250 milligrams a day is the kind of recommended daily allowance or daily intake. But we're kind of having 900 to 1,000 milligrams a day typically for people. As I said, it does. it is found in like quite a large amount of foods. It's just the ability to get as much as we can into the blood brain barrier. So looking at that, you know, looking at our kind of intake of tryptophan, I like the idea of having your tryptophan in these sources that aren't like really high protein rich. So like your bananas, your dried prunes, um, you know, your bread, your oats, things that are more carbohydrate heavy, because I've actually like found that the more carbohydrates you have with the tryptophan, the more will get into your blood brain barrier. But outside of that, I just think it's really, really interesting to look at hormones, neurotransmitters, the way that, you know, 
food can really impact our emotions and our ability to sleep and show up in the world, to be honest. Tryptophan is a really interesting one, just that effects on serotonin. There is a lot more research outside of the effects on sleep. And there, that looks at like psychiatric disorders, looking at depression. I was reading a study that was talking about the effects on tryptophan depletion in depressed and non-depressed people. And it's actually more likely for people with depression or histories of depression or family history of depression to get these the negative effects of this tryptophan depletion on their serotonin drop in levels as well. So they'll get kind of like a, a relapse into a depression state. So it's very, very interesting and it just reminds me all of the time of the emotional connection, the connection that I have to the routine of my life or the structure of my life and how food impacts that. I am always reminding myself of these really cool things, even though, you know, not everything is needed in excess or needed more of, like, even though we look at this podcast and sort of, and this information and say, oh, well, you know, most of us are getting our amounts of tryptophan anyways, doesn't mean it's not cool to know what it does. I always think sometimes that I get lost in this idea of like, oh, well, if it's like, you know, If it's already sorted itself out, then why do I need to know about it? But really, it is just a reminder all the time of the connection that we have to the world, to the animals, to our food. And that, you know, that circadian rhythm, that's not just found in us. That's found in animals. That's found in plants. It's even found in bacteria. So each and every living organism on this earth requires the chemicals from one another the you know light from the sun and the you know the proteins to build itself all of these things we kind of rely on each other and consume each other in a way to help ourselves function so i'm always grateful for the knowledge that i do acquire in terms of what nutrients do for me even though i know that i even if i know that i have them i am appreciative of the fact that I can be grateful for that food that I'm eating, that I can understand what that food is doing for me and remind myself all the time that, you know, it's why when we eat better, we feel better. It's that, that, depth of, that depth of knowledge into why that, that happens is, to me, really beautiful. So I hope you found this interesting as well. I'm going to wrap that up for today. It is a more of a scientific podcast today, just a little bit of a deeper scientific dive. And I really enjoyed it. So I hope you did as well. And we'll probably have a couple more deep dives coming up in the future. Thank you and see you for the next one.